Hey friends, welcome back to the show. In this episode, we have a repeat guest, a friend to the Health Institute and brilliant physician, Dr. Lee Aaron Keneally. She leads two medical centers, including the largest integrative medical clinic in North America, the Center for New Medicine. Dr. Keneally is the author of two books, The Cancer Revolution and Be Perfectly Healthy, and was named one of the top 50 functional and integrative doctors in the country. So in this episode, she shares why she believes we're seeing an increase in cancer cases, particularly in younger populations, and the areas of health you should be prioritizing to improve your health outcomes and build resiliency. Now, if you haven't listened to the previous episode we did with her, go back and listen to episode number 112. Dr. Keneally talks all about alternative cancer treatments, and this was a wildly popular episode. Also really is a great building and foundational episode to the continued conversation we have today. So without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Dr. Keneally, uh, I want to set the stage because I feel that we're really at a very pivotal point in healthcare in this country right now. And I think that we would just be foolish to not unpack or at least um, start to analyze and assess like how we got here and what what is it about the lifestyle that we're living really just as a country, as people in America, what is it that we're doing or we're missing that is leading us to the poorest health outcomes we've ever seen? I mean, that's what's just mind-blowing to me. Mm-hmm. That's so true. And for your listeners, you know, I work every day. I work five days a week and going on 37 years. So it's not like I am in a room or desk or not seeing patients. I'm seeing patients along with all of my other practitioners. And in the last year, I have seen an alarming increase in young people with cancer. So young people are growing up in a time, when I say young, 25, 30, 35, uh, people less than 40, where there is no real surveillance or monitoring uh, for patients. And I used to say to my patients, you had a warranty until you're 40. From 40 to 60, you're on a semi-warranty plan. And at 60, you're just pre-repair, upkeep, and maintenance. But now I can't say that. So I have to assume that that 25-year-old who comes in with hemorrhoids that are bleeding, I better think cancer, okay? Uh, If they have a pain somewhere in their abdomen or something, I need to think, unfortunately, I need to think cancer, okay? Cancer really, you know, it's cancer and heart disease with their top killers, but I think cancer deaths are higher now than heart disease deaths. But these young people, it's a much more serious situation because their DNA is rapidly dividing so to really, you know, stop that cancer from reproducing requires an inordinate amount of powerful forces, whether you do chemo or you've got to do so many other things. You can't just rely on the, you know, one avenue of a surgery, chemo and radiation. So obviously some patients are going to need that. You know, you cannot rely on just doing those three things. And obviously you know, Nixon declared war on cancer in 1970. Here we are, 2022. Cancer is one in two people now expected to grow 30% in the next five years. So we need to all be saying, and you know, it's so funny because I'll have a patient go, oh my, I said, what did your surgeon say about this breast cancer? And she goes, oh, she goes, I'm seeing more and more young people. I'm like, well, why aren't all these doctors coming out like me and saying, wait, I am seeing an alarming increase in young people with either Hodgkin's lymphoma, breast cancer, colon cancer, whatever. Why are we not all speaking out? So it creates this awareness of it. So people aren't like waiting to get diagnosed. I see so many people. I had a 37 year old boy stage four cancer, but when he, he had hemorrhoids for two years and the doctor never peeked and looked and did a workup. And, and so, and I see this all the time because we need, we, we think, oh, you're young, you can't have anything. Well, that's not the case. First of all, U.S. ranks 43rd in the world in healthcare. We spend twi- two and a half times as much as any other nation, all right, any other country. 
And so we have to say, why is this happening? What are we all going to do about it? My big line is self-care is the new healthcare. So I think every individual needs to start and take charge of their healthcare. And where it really needs to begin is before two people have a baby and two people decide to have a child, they need to prepare their babies, prepare their bodies to have this magnificent miracle that they're planning to have. Because the mother and father are downloading, they're downloading the information and the chemicals and the nutrients, et cetera, all endocrine system, all to that baby. So we need to start educating young people because we're living in a world that's been unchecked. So in the last, I would say probably 40 years, because DDT was, you know, many years ago, but it's still prevalent today. Okay. Then glyphosate. Okay. Then endocrine disruptors. Rachel Carson wrote the book, Silent Spring, back in the fifties, telling the world that we, these endocrine disruptors in nature were causing very, very significant problems. And no one listened. Everyone thought that, you know, everyone discounted her. And now we're living her reality. And I encourage everybody to read that book because it really talks about what was happening in nature. Now we're seeing that. Like if you have an exposure to atrazine, you know, those male frogs turned into female frogs. So, you know, we can't, we can't now just kick back, get back on, you know, our social media or a movie that's not going to be meaningful. We need to all collectively as a community, as a family say, look, we all have to get our family and community healthy. It should be our number one concern, literally. Health has to be our number one value. And that is the problem because our public health system That is not what they're pontificating. They're not talking about. I mean, I read an article in Livestock News that cereal and candy was healthier than meat and pork. What? I'm like, this this is crazy. Okay, this is really, really so not good. So the mis and disinformation that's out there is unbelievable. So we've got to help people learn the basics whether you, you know, there's so many good podcasts, so many good books, there's so much good stuff out there. There's a lot of great people following on Instagram to educate people and empower people. But we've got to now, all of us really do this because this is, you know, our children are unhealthy. Okay. Our young people are unhealthy. Our older, our older people probably are healthier than the younger people now because the exposure to the young people, to antibiotic use, right? Excessive antibiotic use because everybody gives antibiotics for everything. And when you when you take antibiotics, you're destroying your microbiome and you're creating a gateway for candida development, all right? Fungus development. And that's a big picture with cancer because 85% of cancer patients have candida, so which is a fungal infection. And so, so you know, just using inadvertent use of antibiotics can send you on a pathway of, you know, very serious illness. It could be a gastrointestinal illness. It could be cancer. It could be uh, all kinds of things. But what we're seeing in our practice is that there is an inordinate amount of young people with serious medical issues. So they're the canaries in the mind telling us that there's something very, very seriously wrong. And what I've seen in, like I said, in the last year, an incredible increase in young people with cancer. Last night, I have uh, one of my last patients told me, oh, one of my friends has a child that's nine, year, nine years old with sarcoma everywhere. Can you help him? I'm like, how does this happen? So, you know, sarcoma every, I mean, this is not okay. Uh, I have a little boy that I did a consult with the parents with the medulloblastoma in Utah. And it's like, we have got to unravel and create this environment for a patient's body that is going to lead to proper health. Because if you combine people's sleep pattern, the water that's all contaminated, the air that's all contaminated, the food that's all contaminated, the chemicals that are allowed to be in your environment, you can just look up the water and all of the, uh, it says how many heavy metals are in the water. 
And down below, it says carcinogenic. But I tell people, we know what one toxin does. We don't, there's no paper on PubMed, what 5, 10, 20 toxins or 100 toxins do. So we don't have those studies, okay? We have what one chemical does, but when you put an entire amalgamation of many chemicals, what it can do to our body is nobody can conceive of. And so, and then you combine the stress of the world, the stress is big time, especially in the last three years. And then you combine the nutritional deficiencies, almost, you know, probably 92, 93% of the population has one or more nutritional deficiencies. So if you have nutritional deficiencies, your Krebs cycle of energy won't work. And then you have, we're inundated with this invisible bed, web of electromagnetic fields. And we are an electrical being. And so we know that it interferes with the calcium channel um, system that we have, this beautiful gated challenge of calcium flux of going in and out. And, and so you're, gonna, you're having floods of calcium going into the body, into the cell rather, and destroying the functionality. And that's why you see an increase in atrial fib and in people wear their cell phones in their pocket. Rectal cancer is the number one cancer growing in young people because they wear their phone. So, you know, we've got to teach people like, you can't do that. You, you can't wear your phone anymore. If you want to wear it, put it in a little pocket that's a Faraday K that protects it, then put it in your pocket. So, you know, we, it, it's just that people don't know all this stuff. We're not, you know, we're not allowed to know this information. Okay. No one tells you that your insert of your package insert of your cell phone is carcinogenic. No one tells you that. We're all excited about getting this phone, but it is cancer causing. Okay. And so we need to tell people and then give them the counterbalancing measures to live in this sophisticated industrialized technical world. Here are the counterbalancing measures that we can do for every single thing that you do. Every single thing. And doctors, unfortunately, conventional doctors are just trained to give a drug or surgery. That is their armamentarium. They do not examine your lifestyle. How do you live? Your, you know, how is your sleep, water? What are you eating every morning? You know, what do you eat all throughout the day? How do you move your 800 muscles? Tell me about your stress. Tell me about your teeth. Tell me, you know, all these, how, what is your environment? Okay. Like, did you live next door to cornfields where they were spraying insecticides and pesticides? So, you know, we have to, we have to dissect and analyze a patient's living environment so we can determine the best treatment plan for each individual patient. This may be in your book, um, but talking about the generational impact being that goes back, what, eight or nine generations. generations correct. Yeah. Sp speak to that for a moment, because I think it's really important that even if you don't have children yet to be thinking about everything that your body's being exposed to the way that you're caring for your body now is going to be handed down to a generation that now not only has a different world that they're living in, but they're also carrying potentially something or a burden from previous exposures generations earlier. Yeah, exactly. So we used to say that you inherit five generations, but now they, the science shows it's nine generations. And it's not just eye color, skin color. It is emotional DNA. And so we have, to, so we, you know, we tend to procreate the same kind of emotional, psychological, spiritual DNA with the physical DNA. And so we have to, that's why it's so important that all of us do emotional attunement. All right. And that is not a bad thing. It's just that no one had leave it to be your perfect little household. And so, but we need to be introspective about what has gone on there that, you know, everybody's probably familiar with the book, your body keeps score, your body keeps score of every experience. Okay. And it's stored as an electromagnetic field and there's good experiences and then there's bad experiences. And so I tell people the best thing for any young person today, a 20 year old is to do emotional attunement because you inherited your mom's anxiety disorder or their, your four generations back, whatever it was. And so that's not something, you know, when I was growing up, that wasn't even talked about, but now it's everywhere about the science is like the biggest time is in utero to seven years of age is where your the emotional impact 
Well, if the mother doesn't know that, or the father doesn't know that, they can't examine like how, what am I doing? How am I affecting this child? But everything affects that child. Every single thing. The child has hypersensory awareness of everything. So I tell every parent, it's not what you say, it's what you do. And don't think that that child doesn't miss anything. They have, they're like dolphins. They have sensory perception of everything that's going on in their environment. And then parents really need to be aware what food they're feeding their children. Okay. And and I've already had children and I was a fanatic about literally everything. Obviously on Halloween, okay, you go and do and eat all the candy you want, but then Halloween's over now. Okay. Because I wanted them, I want them to also have like balance of things. Okay. It's okay to have a cookie, but we don't have a cookie every day. All right. And so, and my kids always remember, uh, I used to, we used to go to Sundays and have uh, donuts. And so I said, okay, we're going to walk to the donut store. So, and so once in a while we would do that kind of thing. All right. But we walk there and walk, we walk the dog there and back. And so, you know, so you can have, you can have and indulge on wonderful things, but you also have to follow the rules. Also the rules and laws of mother nature that your how your body works that you and I had nothing to do with in the writing. It's we, what we have learned on how the body works. And so we got to follow that, whether it's the sleep and the water without chemicals and food without chemicals, and we got to eat real food. I read, uh, um, I read Lynn McTaggart. She wrote the book, The Field, and her title of her piece last week was Eat for Peace, because they compared eating like of children if, if they ate fruits and vegetables and lentils and protein, how they acted compared to the people who ate cereal and modernized food and the people, the children who they were very reactive and, and angry and, and not happy. And so, you know, just simple things like that. But parent, what I see parents, they are not feeding their children properly. And I have a lot of parents that do very good job, but there's a lot that, you know, say, oh, they can have the macaroni and cheese. Oh, they can have the grilled cheese sandwich. Oh, you know, Instead of saying, no, this is what our meal is, and this is what you eat. And so you have to teach them, this is the way we eat, and this is why we eat this way. We have to, you got to educate them along with it. You know, and, and there's wonderful people out there doing wonderful things to help parents, all right? Because if they don't know and they don't have, but now with our phone and all the electronics we have, we can learn and study and research everything. I know when I have patients, they have cancer, they've gone down the deep rabbit hole and understanding so they can take charge of their health. You can't depend on any one practitioner or any one teacher to teach you everything. You've got to download the information yourself, take ownership, take responsibility of your health, because that is how it's going to work long-term. That's so good. And what I see happening a lot of times too, it's this disassociation of the symptoms and then really what you're actually dealing with, meaning that for parents, because I have little young children. And so we, dis- we, we start to think that the behavior is just a behavioral problem. So it's feeding them or pumping them full of sugar and then saying, okay, well, you know, they can't sit still and they have temper tantrums and There's all of these different things that we can't seem to fix. That's kind of the output expression of, you know, how they're living, but we're not really connecting that to, well, what are we putting in the child? You know, maybe the child's been pumped full of antibiotics. Their gut has been completely altered. And now we're feeding them genetically modified Franken foods. And then we're, we're really upset with the way that they behave. And it's, if we're not connecting that, so then it's like, we're, we're going to go back to their, you know, doctor or pediatrician or whatever. And then it's like, well, let's, de- let's, let's now address the behavioral problem instead of addressing the inputs of what we're putting in. And then now we're having to deal with what that looks like in real life. What does it look like? It looks like a three-year-old that has ADHD, that can't sit still, that has outbursts of anger or whatever it might be, but we're, we're not even looking at, at what we're doing in the house. 
Exactly. It's so true. And so many people are getting diagnosed with some kind, like you mentioned, behavioral disorder and ADD and anxiety and all this. I'm like, wait a second. We, I, when I grew up, no one had anything like that. Okay. And that, and then people say, no, it's just being diagnosed more. I'm like, no, no, we did not have, we didn't have obesity. We didn't have all the medical problems that they, we have today in children. There should not, children shouldn't need medicine to survive and thrive. Sure. An acute infection or something that's serious, but now pediatricians don't have the time to educate the patient on, okay, how is, what are you doing? How's his, his or her sleep? What are you feeding them? What nutritional deficiencies do you have? And like you said, what is the energy around in the house? Okay. Like one thing I teach my, the parents is lay on the floor and meditate with your kids every day. You don't, it, it can be five minutes. Five minutes is, is, is incredible. Just everybody lay on the floor and just meditate, learn how to do that. They can do that for five minutes. And my kids are grown and I didn't have, you know, I've never used medicines on my children. They're all grown. Uh, and I never, ever used medicines. I use natural things for everything. They never missed a day of school, but I was very, very proud of like what we were going to eat and feed the children every day. It was something of my priority and, and their way of living. You okay, you got to sleep, you know, you can't be staying up till 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night. Children need their sleep for growth and repair of their brain and their body. And they got to get outside all the time today. You know, there, there was somebody I saw wrote a book now about uh, what's going on and cause kids don't play outside anymore. Yeah. Well, that's their creative fun time is to play outside. It's the time to also create relationships with other children to have that social growth. And so, but we're not doing that anymore. And kids need, they need to go run out. They need to be connected with nature. They need to be on the ground and eat dirt and, and whatever else they like to do. They've got to have that. They love that. In fact, that's one of the best things you can do with your children. Just, just go let them run amok. And then they won't, they won't have the ADD and they won't have the temper tantrums when you create peace and proper nutrition and proper, you know, environment around the household. Yeah. I, you're hitting the nail on the head because it is, it's so much lifestyle. And honestly, it's so simple. I mean, it is not, like, this isn't rocket science. Like I have thrown my kids out of the house. Like it's, if it's a nice day and they're, especially if they're complaining or they're fighting with one another. And I'm like, don't come in, like, go, I don't go. I don't care where you go, whatever you do, just get out. And like, I don't want to see your body in the walls of this house. Why it's, you know, 65 degrees and sunny, like go do something, go collect rocks. <laughs> I don't know. Right. Well, and fighting is normal part of the hierarchy of life, you know? So I'm one of six kids and there's three girls and three boys. And we used to fight like cats and dogs, but it is part of your development to learn how to survive and thrive and fend for yourself. Because I don't know if you know the experiment uh, with Professor Calhoun and the mouse experiment. Are you familiar with that? I don't know that I am. Okay. So you need to read. Yeah. So you need to read about uh, the it's mouse experiment. So he wanted to create mouse utopia. Okay. And so the mice could like have whatever food they want, whatever environment they want, they lived like this perfect environment and everything was taken care of. And guess what happened after how many generations they lasted? They lasted four generations and then they were extinct. So we try to do, parents try to do that today. They try to conlin. Oh no, you don't have to, you don't have to, no, I don't want you to do that. Oh no, you might fall. Oh, you might this. Oh, you might that. Oh, you know, there, you do not, you have to create some productive paranoia in your children. And if you make life super easy and coddle and I'm, let me help you do this. Let me do this. That's not how they grow, but it's a very, for all your listeners, you need to, every parent needs to read mouse utopia because it's a very famous experiment in 1960. And it was about that they created this perfect environment. And that's the worst thing you want to do to rear and grow and develop young children because it's not good for them. And now we want to normalize everything. Okay. 
Everything has to be normalized. No one can be great number one in soccer. No one can be the best mathematician or the best artist or the best musician. It should be. I mean, you know, there's nothing wrong with being the best soccer player. That's your divine seed, whatever it is. So, but we should say, oh, that is great and wonderful. We need to encourage that. And so instead, we're just like, everyone has to be the same. Well, no, everyone is a unique individual and uh, we need to respect that. But we also have to have a standard of excellence of how we live. I tell people, we are a miracle. We're a magnificent miracle walking. And we need to steward that miracle so that it works for us. Because what happens is what I see in my practice, a patient comes in and they have a devastating diagnosis and then they've got to now create order. So we might as well create order in the beginning so we don't have these catastrophic events. And There is no reason in this world today with the education, the information, the podcast, the books, that every individual, but we got to do it together. We got to be in a family, in a community that we all support one another on an emotional, psychological, spiritual, physical level, because that's where it's at. And we can't be making excuses because we are miracles. We are miracles. I mean, if everyone would study how the body works with the 50, 100 trillion cells every day, it will astound you. I am in awe of the next thing I learn about how our body works. And it is something to be honored and respected. So when you talk about creating order, what does that look like for you, even as a person? And what would you even suggest for somebody that maybe is raising a young family? Because we have a lot of people now that are doing exactly what you talked about, where it's like helicopter mom. And we're so worried because we see the headlines, we see all the Instagram, we see all the stuff, the fear of, well, this child was diagnosed with this. And we, we just see the heartbreak all over and the tragedy all over. And so now we've, we've tightened our grip down on the reins of life. And we want to buffer our children from, from everything. Uh, but meanwhile, we're, we're probably skirting them from the things that they need the most. So how does somebody in a household, whether you have children, maybe you don't have children, create that order so that it, they now start living in a way that prevents disease? Because, you know, we need hope. Like we need to, like, what is this going to look like? Because we are, we are in unprecedented times, but like, there's got to be ways. Like, what is it that encourages you? What practices do people need to be harnessing to start experiencing freedom? And, and to start experiencing joy in a world where it seems like there is a lot of darkness. There's a lot of heaviness. Right. You know, you're right. I, I do uh, see that. And uh, you're right because you're seeing it everywhere. And that's what I don't understand why people aren't like, whoa, okay, we need to stop, look and listen and see what, what is the world we're living in and how do we create the best situation. Okay. So the first and foremost thing, mother and father, or whatever situation it is, who has a child is you want to create peace and harmony, unity, and joy. That's the number one thing. Okay. And it starts with you because you need to understand your own unrest or lack of unrest. I mean, you may have already worked on that, but you want to take inventory of yourself. What, what was my childhood like? What, because a lot of people don't realize that they had a bad childhood and something until something bad hits. So, so you need to take an an inventory of your emotional, psychological, spiritual aspect, because whatever is here goes down to your body and then whatever you, who you are. So like, if you grew up with a mother who had an anxiety disorder then those children are going to have an, I see it because I have patients. They, I, they tell me they have an anxiety and they tell me they want to break the generational curse of, let's say, an anxiety disorder. And so, of course, you got to work on the mom because the mom is the influencer of the children. And so that would be the first and foremost thing. And there's a great book out uh, by Gabor Mate. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Gabor Mate is a psychiatrist and 
He was a survivor of the Holocaust. He had a very unfavorable childhood, but he wrote The New Normal. And so I would tell people to like read that book so they understand that how they're how they are is emanating to their children. And you mentioned helicopter mom. So a helicopter mom is almost like it's in a lot of ways too much. You have to kind of be balanced because, you know, the children did not come with a handbook. There's no set of rules and every individual is an original and you've got to be able to read that children, that child. I believe in massively exposing them to everything. So when I say everything like sports, for example, how would you know they're going to be a professional baseball player if they didn't play ever play baseball? So you have to, I, I wanted my kids to play every sport. I didn't go, do you want to do that? I go, no, this is what we're going to do. And then they at least had the exposure to every sport. There wasn't any sport that I did not expose them to because how would they, how would we know? Or let's say, how do you know they're not going to be a concert pianist if you don't put them in some kind of interest entry? instrument, like put him an instrument. And then, you know, I had one kid that did great. And the other one's like, no, wasn't in it, but I didn't push it. I, I wanted my twins to be uh, tennis players. Okay. And it's a funny story in our family because, uh, you know, they had the perfect body, you know, it was like, they had the perfect body to be Tim. Well, I hired a coach and the whole thing and they became really good tennis players. But they didn't have that divine seed that goes, oh, yeah, I'm, I want to play in Wimbledon. That wasn't didn't happen. Well, I can't make that happen. It, it has to come within. But they had now they play tennis as adults and have, you know, have good time. But you have to and you want to be exposing your children to things that are meaningful and valuable. OK, like kids love playing on the beach. They love playing on a park. You don't have to go to Europe to to entertain your kids. You, you have it all in your backyard. That's what kids like. They love to play, run around, splash and water, simple, simple things. But I think if the mom is overly like, okay, you got to do this and you got to do this and you got to, I think that can be, that can be oppressive for a child. It might work for some kids to like, okay, okay. I want you to be a violinist and I want you to play volleyball. And I, I mean, there are maybe those kids, Give them the opportunity, but also if they don't want to do it, you can't make them do it. All right. So I think it's so important that you let that child be who they are, but also with boundaries, like you can't have a kid that has a screaming fit, you know, in the middle of somewhere. I mean, you know, you can't do that. You can't allow that. All right. There are going to have their moments. So you pick up the child and go, okay, let's what's going on? Let's, you know, talk about it, whatever, you know, be silly. Sometimes just being silly with them breaks them of their, you know, you being silly and getting on their level breaks the, that event. That's not fun because kids are kids. They're going to have going through things. They're going to have a cry. They're going to do whatever. So, uh, but it's your job as a parent to create this environment that puts peace and calmness and joy in their life. Okay. Like I used to play all the, um, you know, famous composers. That's what I, you know, would put on as music. Okay. Because we know how music influences the brain. So I would try to, I tried to do the best job I can. What I would do is I read everything and then I created my own little environment at home. So the other thing is establish order. Like we go to sleep at nine o'clock. Okay. Mm -hmm. Not 10, not 11, not midnight, not with a cell phone, not with iPads, but we go to sleep. So we have like, okay, we take a bath and shower or whatever it is. And we go to sleep. Okay. Because you want to have order in their day. You can't be just like, whatever. And then I always woke my children up. I go they're They're going to have a whole life an alarm clock. So I woke them up. I was their alarm clock. I personally woke them up. Okay. It's time to get up. And then it was, okay, we make our bed. We get dressed. We we you we do these things, and children are brilliant. They are brilliant. Don't ever underestimate what a child can do. They are amazing. Okay, I followed a guy named Doman, uh, who was in the '60s, and he had the Institute for Achievement of Human Potential, and they took these brain injured children and they made these brain injured children be normal. So then they go, oh well, let's. Let's take a normal child and see what we can do. 
Well, they took a normal child and it they were amazing. And so uh, I studied all of his work because this is what he does all day. Like you're going to learn from people who take very serious situations. You're going to learn. So I read every one of his books and I incorporated that into my children's life. And then I read also all these other things. And I had a group of moms called the Better Baby Moms. And so we would meet once a month that we would help each other, give each other ideas on what to do with their children at home. And so we had, so you have to do that. It's very important. I think if you get moms that are like-minded and want to create these environments, and then you've got to have food that nourish and strengthen and heal the body. It has to be, and I'm not saying perfection again, but you're going to eat more properly and not the cereals and not the fake foods and not the fast foods and all the food that isn't going to help the child grow and be a functioning, optimized human being. You know, it's not going to work because, you know, you put garbage in, you get garbage out and you're, you're responsible for that. Okay. And a lot of people say, oh, I can't do it. Well, no, it's not that complicated to, you know, to make good food. I mean, it really isn't not in this day and time. We have a lot of modern conveniences and then teach the children, teach the children why, you know, I always, I remember when first grade, my kids said, Oh, I picked them up from school and they go, mom, like everybody's asking me about my food. And I said, you know, I love you so much that I make your food and I would have zucchini carrot bread. Okay. I did not have like, you know, we did not have Cheetos and Pringles and a juice box, you know, that was not what we ate. And I didn't go and buy Lunchables. So I said, I spend time to make your food. And so, but you have to have food because a lot of food is how you're going to act. You know, a lot of ADD is really the food intake and the nutritional intake. Okay. Uh, It could be toxicity. You know, unfortunately in this day and time, I would say that everyone now needs to do some kind of detoxification because of the endocrine disruptors, the glyphosates. They now they have found, I just read a report a week ago, they found nanoplastics in the stool. So that means now it's going to be our whole microbiome is being changed and 70% of our immune system is in our microbiome. So I tell people now today, unfortunately, we have to evaluate the world we're living in and live accordingly. So toxins are not going to go away. They've already sued the plastic industry. It's still going strong. Glyphosate, they know it con- they relationship to cancer. It's still being in the environment. DDT was banned long time ago. It's still in the environment. You talk about flame retardants, you know, the seed oil. I mean, we can go on and on. So everything that's going on today is not conducive. And that's what we're talking about to the uh, growth of a fantastic human being. And so we all have to learn about this. And it's not that difficult to learn about it and then change accordingly. But I think today, like young people, I think one of the biggest reasons I've seen so many 25 and 30 year olds is because they've grown up in a, a sea of toxins. And so these toxins are, you know, people think, oh, my mom had cancer, this. No, cancer is only like 5% genetic. It's not that, you know, it's not genetic, okay, for most patients, okay? Most of it, I will tell you, is our environment they're living in. They call it the exposome. The exposome is what we're living in today. And if you think about every single day, what you're putting in and on your body, unfortunately, a lot of it is toxic, but you can take a detox bath. You know, your kids, your kids and you can take a detox bath. Okay. Uh, There's liquid zeolite, you know, there's all kinds of little things that you can do that it's just part of your new way of life. This is the way we have to live today because 50 years ago, we lived a more simpler life, less stress, no screen time, uh, being outside, uh, not as many, to- there's, there definitely wasn't as many toxins as there are today. And so, and I sound like I'm negative. Okay. I'm not being negative. I am pointing out that this is where we are. Our environment and what is going on in our health today is not good. Okay. And we're normalizing 
obesity. I got an email over the weekend about how they're going to handle obesity and young people in in the in the American Academy of Pediatrics. Okay, surgery and drugs were the treatment. Now, come on, this is ridiculous. No, it's all about their lifestyle. Okay, literally, and a child. Okay. And unfortunately, we have these chemicals called obesogens and diabetogens. Those are substances that cause diabetes and substances that cause obesity. So that's why I'm saying that we have to now institute purification in your daily existence because we know these toxins are causing diabetes and obesity and not not to mention ADD and all the emotional issues and all of the, the cancer. I mean, cancer now is number one in children and, you know, growing prolifically, like it used to be accidents. Now it's cancer. So we all need to take a back, uh, take a, take a, a look and say, why is this happening? We all need to do our part. We all can help all of us together to change the existing paradigm of what's going on today. And, you know, sometimes surgery is necessary for certain circumstances. But why are you needing the surgery should be the first reason, okay? Like gallbladder surgery is done like this all the time. Well, gallbladder surgery is being done because all the toxicity going through your liver and gallbladder system, okay? And so, and then your diet, if you're eating, you know, processed bad food, that is not good for your liver gallbladder system. So now I'm not saying that there aren't extenuating circumstances. Okay. I, I, I've been doing this a long time. I tell people, some people come to me and they don't want to do surgery. They don't want to do chemotherapy. And I go, no, 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 you don't understand. You have to use medicines as a bridge to get to the other side where you're going to live an optimized, excellent life. Okay. There is a place, unfortunately, when we are not doing the preventive, preemptive, precise, personalized medicine that we need to do. We, our healthcare system is broken. It was written in time. Every doctor knows it's broken, but we can change the system right now. But we all have to, one, start with ourselves and then and arm ourselves with education and inspiration to change the trajectory of the human race. Wow. And I think that in saying that too, like everything that you, where we started from and what's brought us to, to right now in this moment is that cancer and disease, right? It does not happen overnight. Like you even said the statistics of the genetics being playing such a small part. So as a parent, that's like, living in fear that they're just waiting to see, is my child going to be the one that's going to be the story? That's going to be the heart-wrenching story. Like what you do right now to create that peace and joy in your home, to show up for your children by being able to provide good nourishment and food, meditating with them, getting them outside in the sun, disciplining them, all of these things that Dr. Keneally just said, that is the prevention package. (laughs) That is the only way to escape disease Right? is to do these habits and these practices and to prioritize them and to keep learning. Because if you don't become a student of your own body, if you don't take the time to slow down and evaluate maybe why your child is really, is are they really acting out? Like maybe that's a red flag. Maybe they've got a toxic burden, like doing foot baths or detox baths. Like you're going to have to stop and not only analyze like what may be really going on, but then also starting to educate yourself on what are the action steps. And that's where like Dr. Keneally, I love, I love the way that she, te- she's an excellent teacher, but like you said, there it's, it takes a village. Like there's not going to be any one person that's going to solve all the problems, but you are the most qualified person to know what your body's going to need and what your children's bodies are going to need. It's not that difficult. It's like I tell people, okay, you're doing it one way. Now you're going to do it another way. All right. And cause people always say, well, how do you get your kids to eat? Right. And I'm like, well, who goes to the grocery store? Yeah. You know, a five-year-old and an eight-year-old don't go to the grocery store. You you say, this is what we're going to have, okay? Like a, a Thanksgiving meal is actually a beautiful meal, right? And you can't get better than a Christmas meal. And, it, and then you can't say, oh, well, my kids don't eat that and they're going to eat some else. No, this is what we do because you're automatically setting your child up like, well, I don't like this, so I get to have this. 
Well, no. I mean, my mom used to always say, this is not a cafeteria. You eat what we have in front of you. And then, you know, kids don't starve, you know, they eventually will eat it. And you got, and that's the thing is if you start early, that's all they know. Like in Japan, they start out with miso soup and fish and these special vegetables and everything. And if you look in their fast food, like it's beautiful what you look in their fast food um, containers. It's the most beautiful meal you've ever saw in your life. It's not McDonald's. Okay. It's fresh vegetables, you know, cucumbers sliced perfectly with the fish and the, the, it's, you know, it's beautifully and that's their fast food. Okay. And so um, we, our fast food, we know is completely, completely not okay. Now, maybe there are some, there are some fast food. I know here we have an organic Mexican food franchise. That's good. And they, all they care about is really healthy, good food. So um, so there are companies that are trying to bring, you know, really healthy, good food. And, and that's something that you go and do in outing. But I believe in teaching kids how to cook and how to set a table and how to be involved because now we're seeing college kids go to school and they don't even know how to fry an egg. Okay. So if you would have taught them and the more that you teach them how to do by themselves, the more empowered and the better their self-esteem is. Yeah. It's a great point. What is one thing just to kind of bring this one home? I love the journey that we've kind of been on in this conversation, but what's one thing that you is kind of a non-negotiable for you in, in just your everyday life. It could be a practice or something that you feel like has really been foundational to you feeling well. Well, I think the most important thing that I've learned in my journey of 65 years is having daily affirmations of gratitude. Mm. And so before I wake up, I think you should always, that's what you want to do is thank you, God, for this perfect healing body that's working for me in beautiful, masterful way. And thank you for guiding me today, giving me the wisdom, giving me the world intelligence of everything I need to do to do my job. So I think every day, so when my daughter complains, I go, no, you say you need to turn that around and they're grown. I say, no, you need to turn that down is thank you universe for showing me the way. Thank you that I have a perfectly functioning body. Thank you God, that I get to know all the information that I know and that I'm teaching, I'm helping others. Okay. And so I think the most important, cause you could do this at the dinner table. You could do it. The, I always had like, I always held court with my kids in the morning and I sat down with them and I always read uh, a, some really important book like Pilgrim's Progress or, you know, world religions or anything. I would just pick different things all the time. And then I'd always have the riddle of the day and the joke of the day and the, uh, the, the thought of the day, you know, I always did that with my kids, but then, you know, it's very important that you say, what do you, what are you, what are you thankful for today? You have to get them in that mindset. Okay. And there's nothing wrong. All they have is one, all you do need to do is one thing. And at the end of the day, like you, I, we tried to have dinner with our kids on a regular basis, sometimes sports and piano and whatever got in the way, but, but, but we, we need, we need to have that human connection. We never allowed cell phones or anything at dinner. We, we, we don't even allow that today. So, um, but, uh, you know, what, let's talk about what you're thankful for today or talk about something that wasn't good today. Yeah. And let's help resolve that and turn that into a good thing. You got to learn how to turn negative seeds into positive seeds because life is going to throw you a curveball and a detour. And you got to learn how to be unflappable and say, okay, I need to figure out how to handle this without myself falling apart. And more importantly, your children falling apart. That's great. It's beautiful too, to think about. And I think that that, that mindset, like that is, that is a place to live from. Like, and, and I can see yes. that that comes forth in everything that you do and you are the hands and feet. Like you are out there doing this incredible work, but it comes from this deep place and sense of gratitude and self-worth and value. And I yes. think if you can really start to infuse that into every single moment of your day, all of a sudden things start to look a lot different. And like you said, the, the energy component, I think on the, the episode we did last year, I remember we talked about that and how we are energetic beings and, and, and just that playing such a big part of it, because when we start to just 
add fire or attention to all of this negative, like what is that going to do? What is that speaking into your existence? The very physiology and the biology, right? It starts to manifest. Those are those are thoughts of self doubt, and they can they can end up resulting in things like disease over That's time, right. destruction. Yeah, you become what you think about most of the time. Oh. That's so good. That's the best way to paraphrase it. I was I was trying to get there in my mind, but you just like really got concise and that those were the words I was searching for. <laughs> yes, right. Well, I'm incredibly grateful for you and for your time. And I know that our audience absolutely adores you and loves the work that you're doing. And, you know, Dr. Keneally is a dear friend of ours here at the Health Institute. So you know, make sure she's, she's always, I love that you show um, on your Instagram, you'll show like what the doctor's eating and, yes. and you show your team. And it just, there's, it just seems like an incredible environment to be around because it's, it's just a group of you guys doing an incredible work um, and you're, you're spreading the word. So if you haven't followed Dr. Keneally or picked up her book, books uh, that, that is uh, just incredible information. And, and again, like that's what it comes down to is empowering you with information so that you have actionable steps that can change the outcome of your health and the health of those in your household. So Dr. Keneally, thank you for joining us again. This is such a privilege. I always love seeing you. Thank you for sharing your time. And then if people want to connect with you really quick, where, where to go to find more information about your practice, um, I just want to make sure we cover all of those things for our listeners. Right. Just go to KeneallyMD.com and you'll have everything is there, the clinics, the Instagram, the books, and we write continuously. We're authoring all kinds of new, latest, greatest information also. We love sharing that over at the Health Institute. We are uh, um, Abby that does a lot of our social. We love just because the, the information that you're sharing is it's it's transformative. Like it's, it's the stuff, it's the tactical stuff. It makes a difference. So thank you for putting forth so much effort into that because it it means a lot to me, means a lot to our listeners. And thank you again for spending this time with us today. Thank you. Hey, Dr. Axe here. I want to say thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to like and subscribe the show so you don't miss a thing. Also, if you're in search of more natural health content, you can follow us at Health Institute on Instagram or subscribe to our newsletter using the link in the show notes below. Hey, thanks a lot and have a blessed week.